0: Give.
1: Oh,
0: is this new uh, intro music? Wow. that's, that's going to be so impressed by that. In another in another lifetime, I would like to be a professional beatboxer. I think you could do it. Well, it's a rainy, cooler morning here at the Chopping Block, which I'm excited about. We haven't <sighs> had rain in a long time, and I'm ready for chilly weather. We went to a football game on Saturday. Andy and it was eighty five and I have sunburn in the middle of October and that's just not okay. Who won that football game, Brett? I don't. I, I can't remember. I blacked out after the game. So <laughs> uh, to be clear, Brett was not drinking alcohol. That's not the cause of his blackout. <laughs> I was blacked out from it was the the ineptitude of dismal play <laughs> of the Arkansas Razorbacks. So um, Mississippi State wasn't much better. Yeah. But I- yes,
1: we're we're in the season of third summer.
0: Right. And we're ready for real fall. We'd like some chill and some uh, coolness, and it's coming. So, I mean, we, we wrapped up this last Sunday uh, our five-week series called Devoted Community uh, in Acts chapter 2, where we really hovered around seven verses from 42 to 47. That may not be seven. It's kind of around there. But, uh <laughs> but we've been two, three,
1: four, five, six, seven, six verses oh that's close You're so close
0: but we have been sitting in this one passage i remember even one of our women one one of the women from our city group saying i didn't know how this was going to go you guys are spending five weeks on the same short passage and i think it's been really meaningful as we've tried to really get at using the model of the early church in acts 2 42 through 47 get at the kind of church God wants us to be. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that the early church was perfect, but it means that that it's showing us, modeling for us, how we follow Christ together and what a local church cares about, and 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 what what the characteristics and values of a, of a gathering of local believers should look like. Yeah. So I think we started by saying we
1: really want to paint a picture, right? We want to paint a picture of
0: what God is inviting us into Yeah, as and a church. And this last week we finished with verse 47. Um, well, I'll start just a little bit before in 46. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What an incredible verse. Um, it's really this reality that that there was a missional intentionality, a missional reality to what God was doing in this early church, both as they demonstrated and declared the goodness of Jesus as we say in our vision statement yep So you know let's talk about mission for a little bit and then maybe we'll kind of wrap up the series altogether but but the focus really was evangelism and missions on on Sunday and you started with the comment that you see, you've observed over the last few years, um, and recently an aversion to evangelism and missions, especially among younger people, uh, that there's really a negative connotation there with this, with sharing your faith with others, with mm-hmm. sharing Jesus. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is?
1: It's a hard question. I mean, I, I don't know that I could um, totally get at the reason for it. I think I, I think I could identify some factors I tried to bring some of those out even in right. the in the introduction to the sermon. I think one is we've seen we've seen missions done poorly. Sure. And so it's easy to go, well, there's not a good way to do it anytime you do foreign missions um, that necessarily brings baggage with it where you're um, you're bringing your culture upon another culture. And sometimes it's sometimes Christianity itself gets lumped in with American culture right we, loo- we lose sight real quickly that hey Christianity began in the Middle East it's not a white man's religion right um, but it's assumed that to, that it, if you do foreign missions you're necessarily going to impose your culture yeah in your way of life on others and, and truthfully um, there were there were times in church history where that did happen. Um, and so I think we need to be able to critique um, the ways that missions was done poorly, yeah, in the past, but not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying, "Hey, well, we just can't even do this." I think that's one reason. Um, I think another is um, just that we find ourselves living in a different world, yeah, and um, we find ourselves living in a nation that is um, increasingly post-Christian and postmodern. Um, and so capital T truth um, has been abandoned mm-hmm. and everything has been relativized and everything is now viewed through a, a lens of subjectivity. And so you, you can have your truth and I can have my truth, but you don't get to impose your beliefs on me because yeah. all beliefs are equally valid. Yeah. Um, and so there used to be a time where we, you know, Ideas could be um, processed and there was a competition of ideas in the public square, which ideas are best. Yeah. Um, and now it's just, it seems like no, all ideas are equally valid. So don't, don't tell me, don't try to tell me that your ways is right. Um, I think we, we live in that sort of a space. And so I think there's an intimidation factor um, to bring our ideas out and go, man, I actually think these are true. Yeah. I actually think this is not just for me, but for you as well. Um So those are a couple of things that I see. i would be, you know, do you have any other thoughts? Well, there? I
0: was just thinking as you were talking, like kind of going alongside with your second point there, like is the privatization of faith, like, you know, let's, let's be clear. America was never a Christian country in, 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 in the full sense of that word. However, there was a time where Christian, you know, a Christian ethic, Christian values really formed the, you know, we still see it in our government, of course, in the, the founding documents, but really formed the, the public thinking. And for someone to be a politician, for someone to be a scientist, for someone to be a thinker, um, a lawyer, doctor, whatever, like their faith intersected with that pretty clearly. And it was like faith language was pretty public and, and normal right and we've now privatized that to where we're like no it's okay if you believe that i just don't want to hear about it doesn't it doesn't belong anywhere in the public yeah. sphere yeah. yeah um and so i think i think that has caused you know once you hear something enough times you start to believe it and that's yep. caused especially younger believers to believe well this is something i have to it's just we've taken personal relationship with jesus and we made it private relationship with jesus that's never something that comes out into public. It, it just it's not supposed to enter
1: into that public realm. Right. And I you know some of the rhetoric of like love is love is right. you know like um, you know you have to accept everybody's lifestyle. you have to, and to to not to disagree with someone. So there used to be a way to disagree with someone without um, it, that being viewed as um, oppressive or right. um, you know unloving. And now it seems like to disagree with someone is is viewed as oppressive, like that's viewed as uh, stripping them of their dignity. Yeah, um, and there has to be a way for us to get back to saying, you know, what we actually disagree here. We don't we don't see things the same way. Um, doesn't mean I don't love you, but I do think that this is the truth, and I think. I, th- I think we're wrestling with that. And so I think the temptation for us is just keep our mouth shut yeah. and to, n- to not say the, the controversial thing or to enter into that space where you could potentially offend someone because uh, there is no greater sin in our culture than to offend someone or to tell them that their, their beliefs or their lifestyle is wrong.
0: Right. And, and maybe you know even more centrally, um, is this idea you talked about? You focused in on the last word in verse in, the, in verse forty seven. Every day, the Lord added their number; those who were being saved, saved. And we just asked the question: Saved from what? Mm. Right. Talked about the realities of of sin, the realities of judgment, the biblical realities uh, that. Human beings, because of our sin, because of Adam uh, being the being our head, naturally need to be rescued. We need to be rescued from something. We don't. We're not just doing okay, flailing on the ground, looking for someone to come, kind of kind of help pick us up. We we're dead, and we need someone to resuscitate us to give us new life. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is maybe if 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 some a lot many believers would get under what they actually believed don't know if they actually believe that's the case
1: yep this 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 didn't make it into the sermon, so this was left on the chopping block, but one of the ideas I had as I was working on this sermon was like, I think we like the idea of Jesus as a rabbi uh-huh. Jesus as a great philosopher that he's showing us a way of life that leads to flourishing. Um, which is true, I believe that that, that there's a, one of the ways that you can explore the life and ministry of Jesus is um, as he you know as a sage, Jesus was bringing us wisdom. Yeah. He was bringing us a way of life of of living in the world in in such a way that it leads to flourishing. And his was paradoxical. You know, he's saying like, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." Makes you scratch your head and go, "How are the poor in spirit blessed?" Well, because that's actually the pathway that leads to, to God, Mm -hmm. to see your bankruptcy and to see your need for him. And I think, I think it's in our current moment, I think it's, it's easier to see Jesus and to follow Jesus through that lens. And you could even hold him up to others and go, man, I, I think the, the life and the teachings of Jesus would, would benefit you. Mm Um. But to go that added step and to go, hey, you can't afford to not follow Jesus. Yeah. That he's not simply a great philosopher, that he's a savior. And that fundamentally what he came to do was to make a way for sinners to be reconciled to a holy God. And that without faith in him, you cannot be. Yeah, That you actually cannot have a relationship with the divine outside of Jesus. That's really offensive.
0: Yeah. And I think you talked about this a little bit, but I think it goes back to kind of even some of the points we've already mentioned on why we're at where we're at. But I think in a lot of ways we've lost the language of sin. Oh yeah. We, yeah, yeah. we, we couch our struggles, um, our, our flaws in, in different language than sin. Um, and I'm not sure. Totally, well, I think it goes back to some of the things we've already said. But how how do we help? How do we help here? Like you know, especially when you say young people struggle with this. How, what's what's the call of the church? What's the discipleship, the clarion call in discipleship as we try to help people recapture the reality of sin, the recapture the reality of our need for salvation and Jesus being our greatest need. Yep,
1: I think we need to. We don't need to do away with therapeutic language. Like I think it's helpful, Um, but we also need to invoke biblical language into the way that we see ourselves. Talk about our own struggles. I think one of the temptations is to talk about our own struggles that way, right? And they go, "Man, you know, I'm I'm broken. I need, you know, (laughs) I have, you know, wounds from my childhood, and you know." But we need to invoke moral language on ourselves. Man, I'm more deeply flawed and broken than I, I want to admit. Yeah. And I need more than therapy. Yeah. I need, I need divine rescue. I need a heart change. Um, I think that's one way to engage in that sort of a language with, with those that we're talking with. And um, I think deep down we know that. I think deep down we, we know that we need more than just a fix. Um, we need new life. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, we've we've abandoned the language of sin and transgression, and I think that's hard for a lot of people um, to recognize that. Like, I think we we have a sense of justice. So if we've been wronged, we very naturally and quickly run to language of that's not fair, and I want things to be made right. We want amends when we've been wronged, right? Um, but we don't go that that added step of going I've wronged a Holy God mm. that like I was made by God. I was made in the image of God. I was made to, to know God and to love God. You know, even as Romans one says that our conscience is no deep down that there is a God and that he deserves our thanks. Mm. And that I live my days, not giving thanks. Um, I live my days selfishly. I live my days idolatrously and that therefore there's a justice element there yeah. that there's there's there is there is an iniquity in me um that demands a payment
0: yeah and
1: i don't know that we spend enough time thinking about that mm-hmm. we just sort of go about our days and think we either don't have much thought of god or we we don't recognize that yeah God is holy, and I am not, and that's the whole reason Jesus came.
0: Well, then, and, and if that's if that's where we get personally and individually, we see why it's so easy for us to walk in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in the gym, at the grocery store, and not think about that other person's, our neighbor's greatest need being Jesus. Yep, um, and we've got to wake up to this reality. It, we need to wake up to this reality. Yeah. I, I see a lot of like I think um there was a
1: time where some people's theology um began in Genesis 3. Their their anthropology began in Genesis 3 meaning that we would start with men everybody's just a de- depraved wretch. Um That was unhealthy. And so I think there's been a healthy correction of God. Let's get back to Genesis one and two. Like we've been made in God's image and there is dignity and purpose in every single person. Yes. And amen. I think we have to uphold both of those simultaneously and go, and every person is made in the image of God. They're full of dignity and value and, and they have, they have purpose, but they're also deeply broken and flawed by the fall and there are sinners that need to be saved. We have to say both of those. And I think our tendency is to say one or the other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. It's really helpful. And, you know, I think uh, are there practical ways you would coach our people? You know, we say at Sea Life that, that really our mission strategy is you, our members, that we believe that every member of Sea Life Church is filled with the Holy spirit and sent as missionaries into the everyday stuff of life. Right. So when you think about like helping us live missionally, thinking about, thinking about demonstrating declaring the goodness of Jesus, are there some practical ways we can help? um, I'm not talking about like the actual conversation right now. I'm talking about like getting us more thinking about this reality of, of considering our neighbors when we're walking, considering their greatest need being Jesus. Yep,
1: No, that's a great question. I, I think the most missional I ever was, was when I was first church planting, um, in Birmingham. Uh, we were a little fledgling group. And so I had to work. Um, this was pre Obamacare. And so, um, our family needed insurance and Starbucks was one of the few, few places where you could work part time and provide insurance. For your family, affordably. Um, And so I worked at Starbucks. I was a barista and a church planner. And it was the most missional I ever was. Um, I would almost daily have spiritual conversations with either patrons or coworkers. Um, and, And I think it's because I woke up and I spent time with the Lord and I prayed, God, would you provide opportunities yeah for me today to engage in conversation and and lord would you open the door i don't want to have to force my way in um but i i'm i'm asking that you would set the table mm-hmm. and i'm telling you it was uncanny how often unsolicited a coworker would open up to me on a break or a patron would say something And it would just very naturally lead into conversations around uh, the gospel and conversations around spiritual things. And I think we we forget oftentimes people want to have those conversations. A lot of people – now, some people don't, but a lot of people actually do. And if we would just posture ourselves with readiness and expectancy – and dependency on the spirit, going, Spirit, I can't save anybody. You have gotta do the work. I wanna be your vessel, but I'm open. I'm open. And and I'm asking that you would you would create opportunity. It is unbelievable the difference that it makes to go through your day just with that mindset switch and that prayer, you know, just living in a spirit of prayerfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, that the god that God will use you if if you're just even
0: Consciously acknowledging that he might want to. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's really helpful. And and what's interesting is one of our main prayers needs to be, God, would you would you increase my love for mm-hmm. those around me? Yeah. Because to, to our first point, we think it's often our default because of what we've been told culturally is that it's unloving to share my beliefs with someone else or to impose my beliefs on someone else, which we're not trying to impose. We're just trying to share the goodness of Jesus, right? But it's actually what we need is more love, not less. We need more love for Jesus and more love for people. And so we're asking God to increase our love because if we loved our neighbors and our family members, unbelieving family members, unbelieving friends, we would tell them about Jesus, right? Right.
1: If we really believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life.
0: Because there's, God has a life for them, a real, abundant, joyful, purposeful life for them that they can't live outside of Christ. That's it. That's it. And
1: I think you said something else there that's key. Increase our love for Jesus. We naturally, right. we naturally, and we, we naturally, and, and, and like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, we, we can't not talk about the things that we love. Yeah. Like we just gush, we gush over with the things that we love most. Um, You know, so you've been awfully quiet about the Arkansas Razorbacks this week. I Um, can't believe you just did that. (laughs) We're talking about Jesus,
0: loving our neighbors, mission, and you just did that. Uh,
1: We talk about the things that we love. And so one of our prayers needs to be, God, would you increase my love for you to such a degree? Right. That I can't help but talk about you to others. And that, and that doesn't have to be awkward. I think we hear that and we're like, oh, man, I don't want to be that weirdo uh, that's like, you know, just awkward with people. That's not what we're talking about. Um, it's infectious. Yeah, It's infectious when you're around somebody that genuinely loves something yeah. and they just talk about it. And we need that sort of infectious love for God. And we need love for others.
0: Yeah, and we are talking about being loving, relational, and conversational. Yeah. We're not talking about because, mostly, not because it was wrong necessarily ever, but because we're not in the same world. We're not talking about going up to people and just saying, hey, if you were to die tonight, would right. you think you'd go to heaven or hell? We're, that's, that's not necessarily a bad question, but we're not in that world anymore.
1: It, it may be an ineffective question because right. you're assuming people believe in God and believe in the afterlife. Right. There's, more, there's more pre-work to be done.
0: In relationship and conversation, and so
1: yeah, I mean, back to that Ray Ortland paradigm, like the gospel plus safety plus time. Right. You know, this is very relational, um, but it's also intentional. So don't hear don't hear relational evangelism as oh, I'm just going to nice them into the kingdom. Right. No, we need to bring the gospel to people, but we're doing that in the context of relationship and safety and time. That's good. Um, and we're believing that the Holy Spirit is going to do the work. And so we're also praying and asking God to do
0: the work. Yeah, that's so good, man. Well, we see life. We really want to be a church that demonstrates and declares the goodness of Jesus. So let's ask for the Spirit's help as we do that this week. But with just a, a, maybe one or two minutes left here, you know, we're finishing up a series about to start Jonah, which I'm excited about. Uh, any key takeaways or just things you're leaving with from this series devoted community out of Acts 2.
1: I think the last thing I was trying to say Sunday I think is where I would want us to to zero in which is that God intends uniquely for the local church to be an exhibition yeah. of of the gospel, the power of the gospel and the beauty of the gospel that it's it's to be manifestly on display among the people of God in the way that we generously care for each other and love each other and welcome in the marginalized and the outcast. It's in the joy yeah. and gladness that we live our lives that's unique. And it's in the the manifest power of the Holy Spirit, Um Working and and doing things only God can do, and a, a sense of awe yeah. and wonder. Um, I want that for our church, increasingly. Yeah, um, for us to just be, you know, a devoted community as we give ourselves to these everyday things. What we're not talking about here is is trying to manufacture some experience or some atmosphere. We're talking about devoting ourselves to these very basic things, the word, prayer, each other, and that God is going to do something supernatural in that. Yeah, um, And so just committing ourselves to being the people of God, to living in real relationships, to spending time together um, and seeking the Lord together and trusting that he's going to, he's going to do his work among us and that God's going to add to our
0: number. So, yeah, I think for me, you know, in a lot of ways, there's a negative connotation around the church in, in, in a lot of places today, um, around the church in general and the local church. And a lot of that's well-earned. There's been lots of hurt. There's been lots of poor leadership. There's been moral failure. There's been abuse. All those things are real. And we want to, we want to step into those places, those hard places with people as they've had those experiences but part of our goal and in, in heart in this series was to paint a picture, a beautiful picture of what the local church is called to be. Mm. And I think that was, I felt that as we were sitting in Acts 2. And it's a, it's a passage I've read so many times, and you can, get, you can get almost numb to it. But then to spend five weeks meditating on it and go, man, like this is what, like we get so lost in politics and uh, societal ills and, other things that are, that are oftentimes worthy causes. But to see the simplicity of, of what these people spent their time doing on the apostles' teaching, focusing on the apostles' teaching, devoted to prayer, devoted to breaking bread, to the fellowship, to to being sacrificially loving with one another and how they gave to one another. It's like, man, this is it. Yep. And I want to be a part of a community like that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess if, if I had a hope from this series is that in some people's lives, the local church would rank up, yeah. That it would move up on their priority list, and and that they would begin to go, "Oh, this is like central. Mm-hmm. This is central to the Christian life. Mm-hmm. This is this needs to be central to my life." Um, that all the other ways we're placing priority on things, those things would diminish a little bit,
0: and Jesus in His body would would increase. Amen. Well. I believe the spirit's done that and excited for Jonah next week and for you to talk about a big fish. Might be some really fun stories coming up this week. You better be in service.
1: <laughs> lots to lots to debate. See you next Should time. Should be fun. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.